This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. And joining us now is a look at the January 4th vaccine mandate for employers with Yvonne Barenke, Associate Professor of Management here at Wharton. Yvonne, welcome to the show. Hello. Very, thank you for having me. So tell us a bit about this vaccine mandate that's going to be enacted for large employers. It goes into effect, I believe, January 4th. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Well, this is uh, really an interesting time, an interesting topic. Um, so these mandates go into effect, actually, some of them um, starting actually beginning of December and then another section in the beginning of January. So what happens in the beginning of December is that companies already have to start implementing a masking mandate. And in January, in the beginning of January, uh, they have to implement a vaccine mandate. And you know, uh, if if companies are confused about whether this is for them and what they have to do, I highly recommend that they check with the OSHA webpage and with their lawyers. But in general, this is a federal law that applies to all companies with 100 employees or more, including part-time workers. If they are under some like interesting legal architecture, they are still considered like one unit. If they all, uh, if they have a, like a central organization that manages their entire workplace organization. But essentially, this now applies to, um, you know, companies of 100 employees of more. This is around 84 million employees in the U.S. Uh, it is estimated that around 30 of them are not yet vaccinated. And some estimate that because of this mandate, 70 percent of those will have to or will get vaccinated. So we should see another surge in vaccination of around 20 plus million people in the U.S., that seems like a, a, a very, very uh, ambitious target. Where do we stand? Do you have any sense of where we stand at the current moment reaching those targets uh, in order to be able to implement that vaccine mandate successfully on time? Well, um, I think it is interesting to look at how recent other mandates have gone. And these were like in the, in the health sector and some public administrations, like, for instance, New York and uh, many hospital systems have been implementing them. And I think this is interesting because when they first started, people were a little bit bewildered by whether these are for real and whether they will really come into effect and whether they can just like get away with not getting vaccinated. And now people understood that first, uh, these uh, mandates have gone through multiple court challenges and there will be other court challenges, but so far they have uh, really survived just because the pandemic is just so severe and this 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 counterbalances like uh, other freedoms to be exempt from these provisions. Um, they have gone through various uh, court provisions, and employees uh, initially were confused and didn't think that they would have to do it. But when they get, got closer to the deadline, they realized that they have no, no choice or might actually be laid off or be, be forced to stay home. So I think um, given that these have been in the news a lot, uh, employees will understand that this is something that they have to do. Right. And is there sort of a incentive process for encouraging that vaccination to occur? Is it an incentive enough for people to potentially not have a job to return to? Yeah. Actually, you know, this is actually an interesting issue to discuss, um, like from, a, from, from another, if I may, a little bit somewhat theoretical perspective, which is these mandates um, have been legal. So companies, if they want, they can impose mandates already. And many companies did and have done so. But they were a little slow to pick that up because, uh, you know, the, the science of it uh, apart, the, there's this issue of what economists call a public good provision. 
So when, when you do something that benefits yourself, but also benefits others, um, others can free ride on you. And in the context of mandates, what happens here is that if you implement this for your employees, this uh, is a little bit costly and, you know, some employees might not like it and therefore leave. So there was a little bit of a worry by some companies if they started to implement this, that they, it would put them into a competitive disadvantage. And we've seen this, for instance, Walmart, uh, they actually implemented vaccine mandates for their white-collar workers, but not for their frontline workers because they feared they would go to other competitors. So in this case, in the context of these public goods, it is actually smart to impose a mandate because all the companies now have to do it. Um, because, you know, again, if you're worried that you might be in a competitive disadvantage, then a company will not do it, and therefore none of the companies will implement, or very few companies will implement these mandates. And with a mandate, this concern has gone away. And this is actually really a smart situation there and will lead to a substantial increase in vaccination among those employees. What's your outlook on this, Yvonne? I mean, do you think that that this will actually succeed or do you think it's actually going to cause a lot of walk-offs from the job and potentially more headaches for employers and headaches for the overall economy? Um, you know, there will be some, some, some problems with it. Um, and companies will, you know, especially when, you know, the leadership in com- some companies don't, are not very supportive of it. They might perhaps try to get away with not doing it. But, you know, the, the fines are really severe. Um, you know, they can be up to $13,000 uh, per person or like, you know, per employee who's not compliant. And this also means that um, if an employee chooses just to, to ignore it and try to get away with it, you know, the companies is still liable for those fines. Uh, so they have to, they have a very strong incentive actually to make employees compliant with it. And there are, as always, uh, possibilities for um, religious exemptions and also in compliance with the American Disabilities Act. But they're very, uh, very burdensome to implement. You can't just like show up and say, hey, I, I want to be exempt from religion. You actually have to go through an administrative process and the company has to do this. And what is also important to note, um, companies do not have to offer uh, an alternative. They can actually uh, implement them uh, or require the vaccine first, and they are not obligated to offer uh, an alternative like being able to work remotely or from home or to be tested out and just work with with masks. So this is like a very stringent requirement. And, you know, companies uh, do well just to understand the regulations and just implement them. Otherwise, the fines will be really, really steep. So having no alternatives is is extremely, extremely significant. As a management professor, how do you how do you view this? I mean, what sort of case studies are we going to have emerging three to five years from now over the implementation of this law and the effect it had on the workplace, on workers, on workplace morale and the ability to manage through crises? You know, of course, in the U.S., um, this is a very polarizing issue, and people have, like, really extreme um, perspectives about this whole topic. But um, if you just think about it very rationally, even as an individual employee, getting vaccinated is actually very, very smart because it actually makes you much more employable across many companies. Um, If you are vaccinated, then you can work at any company. You don't have to go through any kind of additional administrative or bureaucratic procedures. So actually, it gives you a competitive advantage to get vaccinated, even as an employee. 
And, you know, for companies, again, you know, the big advantage now in the past that would have put them into a disadvantage. Now, if they are actually um, implementing this procedure and implement it smoothly, this again makes them a very, uh, very desirable place to work because those people who are worried about getting a vaccine, um, sorry, those employees who are worried about getting infected uh, or get a breakthrough infection in the workplace because there are others in the workplace who are just not compliant or, or are not willing to comply with it. If you see a company that is actually implementing these uh, with a lot of forethought, this makes them a very attractive uh, employee, employer. And this means that companies who are now in the beginning of a, you know, a growth phase again, they really want to be attractive to uh, high talent. And high talent is actually typically people who want to make sure that they don't get sick in, in the workplace. So it is very smart both for employees and actually employers to, to go through this um, implementation very swiftly. Um, can you talk broadly about the impact that you see this mandate having on companies and on teams within companies um, about, you know, the ability to, to, to manage people, mm -hmm. about the ability of companies to recruit uh, additional employees, especially during, uh, you know, a period of uh, relative tightening in the labor sector? Yeah. Yeah, as I said before, you know, the, this is actually you know, makes things much easier um, if you are just like a an only company that uh, thought about implementing these, then, you know, it would have put you into a, a competitive disadvantage, but that's not the case here now. You know, in the end, things like uh, vaccinations boil down to, you know, how much you care about others, <laughs> because you, <laughs> if you are not vaccinated, you become a vector. You can, uh, you can infect others, even if you are coping well with it. And um, companies understand that it is one thing if you are, you know, casual about the health of others in your spare time, but if you're coming to the workplace and uh, are risking to infect others there, this can really shut down entire departments or can cause a lot of headaches. And companies now understand that it's actually much easier to manage a workforce when it's actually present. You know, we, of course, come, many people enjoy working remotely or want to have the option of working in a hybrid fashion, but companies actually find it much easier to manage people when they are present. And people can form better relationships when they're working together and can see each other in meetings properly. So they want to be able to have this uh, workplace available to them. Um, and this is what we call, um, you know, ex workplace externalities, where people um, affect the health of others around them. And if you can impose this mandate that they are vaccinated, this problem or this concern that, you know, departments may be shut down and many people have to start working remotely again will dissipate. And this is very advantageous to companies. And so far, they have been reluctant to push for it very aggressively because that would have put them into a competitive disadvantage because other companies did not require that. And uh, so this is a really a big, big tight shift. We are basically shifting from one equilibrium where very few companies are requiring mandates to um, all the companies now having to implement these mandates. Is this the beginning of the end of the work from home phase? I mean, I think the public discourse has shifted toward the belief that work from home is essentially here to stay or that it'll become much more ubiquitous, certainly, than it was prior to the pandemic. Is the enforcement of, the, of this mandate essentially going to roll back uh, some of that progression towards a work-from-home economy? It is, you know, really not just a matter of um, um, convenience because, you know, you don't have to commute, you can work more in, in more comfortable clothes, you don't have to walk around in <laughs> uncomfortable shoes. So these are all big pluses. 
And I think the other big factor why working remotely is actually almost was a necessity was with all the people who actually have families, um, meaning children. Because there are many schools where suddenly kids had, had to stay at home because of secondary exposure. Many young children could not get, vac- get yet vaccinated. Now, that again is changing, where schools are starting to require vaccinations. Um, and this, I predict this will also happen for all the kids going down to uh, five years and older. So now with this uh, family uh, dimension receding, um, you know, I have to tell you, you know, we teach this also in education here that we tell employees that uh, it is advantageous for their careers to be in the workplace. There's no doubt about it. If you are there, uh, people are much more aware of, of you. Um, you can participate in many more discussions, many more casual conversations. So being present really helps your career. Um, so even though it might have been conven- uh, convenience and perhaps like really cool to work from home, but in the long run, it is much better to be present. And this is not only for the employees, but also employers just find managing people much more easy when they are there. From, you know, from the perspective of a management professor, what has happened to corporate culture over the past couple of years? I mean, have you seen any indications that there actually has been either an erosion uh, in corporate culture or in the ability to foment and encourage the development of a cohesive corporate culture? I mean, has, has work from home really impacted corporate culture in the way uh, that many management professionals say? Well, that's that's a very interesting question. I, I, I can't really um, point to any good studies on that because it's, we are, we're still in the midst of it. And these were like really unusual times. And, um, you know, unusual times because circumstances have been changing so swiftly. Uh, if there was like a new surge, um, remember like in the beginning of summer, all the companies were gearing up to have everybody return to work. And then there came this other surge, which has delayed things again. Um, and this, this planning uncertainty made it rather difficult. So there, there are many factors here at play. But uh, I think it's, it's still a little early to say, you know, how, how corporate culture has changed. But what is clear is that, um, you know, now with the economy growing again and uh, employees perhaps being a bit more choosy about where to work, it is really important that companies can signal that they are taking good care of them and uh, but it it turns out that companies can take better care of their employees when they are there. So there will be a strong push for employees uh, to accept uh, jobs where they actually have to show up again. How will companies manage through a resurgence of COVID, even when their employees are fully vaccinated and the vaccine mandate is fully implemented? What happens when we start seeing these breakthrough infections anyhow in the workplace and they rise to a significant level? Um, what is, you know, does that retroactively make the vaccine mandate uh, less valuable? You know, this will still this will still always happen. There will be breakthrough infections, um, you know, just like with uh, flu vaccines. Um, you know, you might get a flu vaccine, but nevertheless, it is possible for you to get the vaccine. And then uh, you uh, you have to go home for a little while. Many companies now do have the situation where you can test to stay. So if you have been exposed to a vaccine, or even if you are tested positive, but you have no uh, symptoms, as soon as you test negative, you can return. So you don't have to stay home for two weeks. So there will be, there are bound to be like periods where you have to go home, just like where, you know, like in normal times when you have to, when you become sick and have to go home. But those incidences will just be much, much fewer. Um, because if you have a much broader range of people who are vaccinated, the pool of the population that can harbor 
uh, the growth of the coronavirus and lead to new variants of coronavirus will be much, much smaller. I mean, if you see another 23 million people getting vaccinated, this is a huge chunk of the population. So this will really reduce the, the incidence of those problems, uh, even with a new variant. So let's switch the topic of conversation for a moment to employer law in the workplace, because obviously this vaccine mandate has very, very significant repercussions for the ability of companies to implement health provisions and, and health care mandates and so forth. What, what do you see as being sort of the most significant um, repercussions or outgrowths of this vaccine mandate and a, and a successful implementation of it in terms of employer law? Yeah, um, this is a very interesting question because companies have not been involved in the wellness of their employees for, for quite a while now. Um, this has been a, a big growth sector. You know, companies spend uh, around 60 to $70 billion uh, this coming year on wellness programs. But we now also see that these wellness programs where, you know, employees are encouraged to attend some classes or submit their biometric measures or to go to checkups, um, they have not really led to a big increase in um, employee wellness or employee health. So many companies are now re- reviewing those wellness programs, whether they're actually worth it, um, worth their while uh, to have in, the, in, in place. There was a time when employees said, oh, you know, I want to come to a workplace where they have like foosball tables and we have like walking and running competitions. This was all kind of a fad, really. That really went away rather quickly. Um, instead, now companies understand that, you know, they have actually a really critical role in maintaining a solid health situation or health environment for their employees now. And this does not um, no longer require issues that have been a big problem in the past, which was smoking. You know, there were lots of companies that had to help with the smoking cessation that really made a big difference in workplace health. Uh, that problem has really receded now. And now we are seeing that companies have to understand that their role is now ensuring other mandates like, you know, the vaccine mandates. There still remains a big discussion of, like, how intrusive of a work uh, environment um, do we want and how intrusive a work environment do, would employees really accept. Um, I mean, this is not really about lifestyle changes. You know, for instance, you know, the, in, these, in these environments where these wellness programs were in place, there was like a strong push for people to get really well and healthy. And this can be a little bit overbearing because who are they to tell uh, employees like, you know, how fit they have to be if it's, it's in, in, in particular when, it, when it's not really a workplace requirement to be fit. Um, but here's a different situation where people can severely make others around them sick. So I think this is like a new dimension where companies uh, are receiving the legal architecture where they can request information about health status from their employees. But the, um, the rationale behind it is to help fighting off another pandemic. And that is a different rationale from the past where, you know, it was all about wellness and, 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 and being, being healthy, which uh, some employees wanted, but many, uh, many other people actually did not want. Levon, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for your questions. Bye-bye. And that was Yvonne Baranquet, Associate Professor of Management at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.